Well, welcome this and every Saturday. We are coming at you with Ed Stetzer live. And of course, we're having conversations about church and culture and mission and ministry and every Saturday at this time. I want to encourage you to, well, you could set an alarm right now. Go, hey, Siri, set an alarm to so-and-so if you were so inclined. I probably just set off a lot of series, but anyway. Um, and and also, too, as always, you can subscribe to the podcast. If you go to edstetzerlive.com, there's a link there, and you can actually subscribe to, well, all of our Moody Radio podcasts if you're so inclined as well. Uh, but, of course, this one, you know, sometimes Saturdays, maybe you're you're out and about, but if you download the podcast, you can listen at your convenience. I'm Ed Stetzer. I have the privilege of being a uh, dean and professor at Wheaton College, where I lead the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. Currently, I really don't do any of those things because I'm on a writing sabbatical. Uh, so my, my, my thrill to serve you as your radio host this and every Saturday is, is my job. So happy to do it and happy to share with you today and bring you some guests. And sometimes I bring guests that I know. Sometimes I bring guests that I don't know. And sometimes I bring guests that I know. And I mentioned to Donna, my wife, and she says, oh, great. And that was the situation today. So when I mentioned that Derwin Gray is my guest, Donna Stetzer was excited about that as well. So once you, once you pass the Donna Stetzer's excited about this guest threshold, it's going to be a good day. Let me tell you about Dr. Derwin Gray. He's a former NFL football player and the founding and lead pastor of Transformation Church in Indian Land, South Carolina, which is basically the Charlotte area. Uh, he played football for five years um, and with the Indianapolis Colts, one year with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, he's written uh, several books pastored for well, a while now at Transformation Church. And his most recent book is How to Heal Our Racial Divide. And we're going to talk about that with him some today. I just had the privilege of uh, sharing the word there just a few weeks ago. Uh, I think, uh, I, I think, I think uh, my two or three weeks now and had a wonderful time. He was out of town, but uh, I know you were not out of town, uh, but I filled in for you and, and had a wonderful time. What a great church there, Derwin. Thanks for taking the time to be on the radio program. Oh, it's my honor and privilege. And, you know, it's always good to, to be with you. And I'm just thankful for Donna Stetzer because uh, God really uses her to sanctify you. And, and so she's definitely the best half of the Stetzer duo. Truer words have never been spoken on this radio program. So you are right on about those things. And, of course, Vicki, uh, your amazing wife, the first lady there at the church, and a student at the Wheaton College Graduate School, and we're really appreciative for, for her as well. That's the part that I mentioned. I didn't bring Donna down to preach, and uh, and I would love, <clears throat> next time I'm down, we're going to have to get together and just hang out, just the four of us. But, okay, but let's talk some about um, your book, How to Heal the Racial <clears throat> Divide. It's, it's available now. People can pick it up. Um, but it's, it's also worth noting that um, when we talk about healing the racial divide, um, a whole, you know, a whole lot of people are like, well, what's why, why this topic? Why this topic from this pastor? You know, many of you may not know Derwin is African American, um, but there's a story that undergirds your passion for some of these issues. How about tell a little bit about your personal story? And then we talk some about your theological engagement, and then we'll get into the topic of the book. So, uh, for those of you who don't know Derwin Gray, which you, I can't imagine anyone out there doesn't know Derwin Gray, but in case you don't, Derwin, tell us a little about uh, how you grew up, um, how that shaped you, and more. Yeah, so I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. My mom was 16 when she was uh, pregnant with me. My dad was 17, and so they were a baby having babies. And both of them struggled with uh, various brain health issues. And so my grandparents on my mom's side primarily raised me. Uh, now that I look back, and I love my family tremendously, but now that I look back, 
it was a lot of dysfunction. It was a lot of trauma. Uh, we were not quote unquote, like church going people. Uh, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't pray together. Uh, but about age 13, that's when I recognized, okay, if it's to be, it's up to me. And football was my way out. Football functioned as my God. It gave me identity, mission, purpose, and it served me well. And so I ended up taking a football scholarship to Brigham Young University. So black kid from the hood goes to all white Mormon school, basically. Uh, I meet my wife second semester, my freshman year. And I had a, 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 a fairy tale existence at BYU. I became a legend, All-American, had my dream girl, got drafted to the NFL. And I thought all my dreams were fulfilled and it would fix everything. But by my third year in NFL, Ed, um, it hit me that the nice suits I wore couldn't clothe the brokenness in my soul. The money I made couldn't satisfy me. Uh, my career and my status could not heal the fact that my father wasn't around. Plus, I knew there were things I needed to be forgiven for. And I wasn't loving my wife the way she deserved to be loved because I didn't know how to love myself. And then the other one was, who would I be after I'm done playing in the NFL? Because the NFL stands for not for long. So all those things mm -hmm. led to this incredible existential crisis. And I had a teammate. His name was Steve Grant. His nickname was the Naked Preacher because every day after practice with the Colts, he'd take a shower, dry off, wrap a towel around his waist, and he'd share with my teammates, do you know Jesus? In my mind, I'm like, do you know you're half naked? But eventually he asked me a question that changed the trajectory of my life. He said, rookie degrade. And like most people who don't know Jesus, I said to him, I'm a good person. And he said, compared to who? And he told me about the scripture, Romans 3, 23, that says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, the glory of God is Jesus. And in light of him, we all fall short. But that's why Jesus came to take the fall for us by his substitutionary atoning sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection. So that began a five-year process of basically the life that I built on sand was just flooded away by the storms of life. And I discovered Jesus on August 2nd, 1997. And I've been following him every day since. And I love him more today than I do yesterday. And so for my wife and I, who didn't grow up churched, it was strange to us when we got immersed into this evangelical Protestant world is we couldn't understand why is the nightclub more diverse than Jesus's club, the church? because we didn't have any church background. We took the Bible at face value. We learned that the early church had Jews and Gentiles. That's a multi-ethnic family that the King Jesus gospel not only forgave sins, but it created this skins. And this family was the family that God promised Abraham. And Abraham's seed, Jesus fulfilled that promise. And so that's kind of how we got to where we are and why the way we are. Fascinating, fascinating. A good and good good background to kind of understand some of the journey 
uh, that you have been on, you and Vicki have been on. So you came and you planted a church in Charlotte area. And, um, and then this church is, you know, it's, it's exploded. It's, it's a, it's a wonderful, uh, multiracial church as well. Um, now this is not the, um, you know, I mean, one of the things you, you've written on more than just this, you have a passion in a lot of different areas, but this book comes out of, I mean, it takes, maybe it takes me a year to write a book. Maybe it takes you less comes at a time when the, I mean, the world seems pretty divided around some of these issues. What's interesting is just talking about some of these issues get people upset. And yet, why do we need to have these conversations? Why is it important for us to to lean in on some of these questions? Yeah, so I want to say this loud and clear. The reason why Transformation Church is a multi-ethnic church is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel, as you know, it is a royal summons. It is a a good news and a declaration of what has been accomplished. Through the sinless life of Jesus, his sacrificial substitutionary atoning death on the cross, his resurrection and exaltation as Lord and King, and the sending of the Spirit is not just about individuals getting to heaven. It's about God creating a family that brings heaven to earth. And so the passion for my book and the theology in which I write it is first and foremost is I I am frustrated and I am tired of Jesus's name being dragged through the mud. I I am tired of seeing God's people have the answer and the solution right within us to be the people of God, to be reconciled, to display the glory of God, because the Bible is very clear. John 13, 35, you will know my disciples because they love one another. And it was love that sent the Jewish Messiah to the cross to be the world's savior. And this saving grace of God creates this new race of God made up of all the ethnicities of humanity. And so I want to see Jesus exalted. I want to see the church live in utter beauty and holiness. This is a discipleship issue. This is a holiness issue. And if I can just say respectfully, um, this is not a liberal progressive issue. This is not a conservative Republican issue. This is a Jesus, King Jesus issue. And I write in such a way that I bring that to the forefront. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, good. We're going to continue our conversation with Derwin Gray in just a moment. We're going to talk some about the content of this book, the journey they've been on, and more. And we're going to take your calls as well. Um, my, my hope is that folks will be saying, you know, how, how do I engage more on some of these issues and topics? We want to invite folks to call in at 877-548-3675. Talking to Dr. Derwin Gray about his book, How to Heal Our Racial Divide. 877-548-3675. Give us a call and let's engage our conversation together. As believers in Jesus, we know our citizenship on earth is actually temporary. But the days can be challenging navigating a world in cultural decline. A.W. Tozer brings help and encouragement in his book, Culture, Living as Citizens of Heaven on Earth. He tackles the how-to of confronting and battling worldliness while we live in anticipation of heaven. Be better equipped to take on each day. Read 
Culture, Living as Citizens of Heaven on Earth. Your copy is at moodypublishers.com. We're back, and uh, thanks so much for your patience. And as we continue our conversation with Derwin Gray, uh, as I mentioned, Derwin has uh, as well has had, a, has had a storied and fascinating life. I, uh, a lot of people, when you want to talk Derwin Gray, you want to talk uh, football. But since I know absolutely nothing about sportball, I'm not going to talk to him about football references. But what I do know, what I do love, and what we share in common is a love for the scriptures. And uh, one of the things that we want to even start with is is, is really why is it important to know that Jesus is the key to rightly interpret and interpreting Scripture, because that's so kind of evident in your life ministry in your book. So tell us a little bit about that, Derwin. Yeah, so Jesus is the the interpretive key that opens up all of Scripture. In John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus is having a conversation with the Pharisees, and he says to them, uh, you pour over the Scriptures daily because in them you think you have eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. And so from Genesis to Revelation, it is a testimony of a saving king who revealed himself in Jesus, that God, the son became one of us. And it's very important to understand in Genesis 11, God scatters the people because of their rebellion by languages. In Genesis 12, God says, Abraham, in essence, I'm going to give you a big old family made up of all the families of the earth. And through that family, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob come, and ultimately the nation of Israel. And through Israel, the Messiah comes to give God the family that he promised Abraham. And this is an every nation, tribe, and tongue family. And so this is intrinsic to Pauline theology. This is intrinsic to Christology. It's intrinsic to the incarnation. And what I'm trying to show is one of the reasons why we continue to struggle with ethnic reconciliation and we get distracted by progressive or or conservative politics is because we have too small of a Jesus and too small of a cross. Even in Ephesians 2, 14 through 16, where the apostle Paul is talking to the multi-ethnic churches at Ephesus, the Jews and Gentiles, and reminding them of who they are in Christ, he says that, you know, Christ is our peace. He he, he tore down the um, that through his body on the cross, he took the two and made them one, that in Christ, there's a new humanity. And so what I'm saying is so often we reach for sociological tools to fix a theological problem. But there are segments of the church who only have the vertical beam of the cross and not the horizontal beam of the cross. Reconciliation is both vertical and horizontal. Okay, so so that relational part, uh, you know, you're writing primarily to, you know, we're, we're the radio show. Of course, people listen online, can listen all around the world. But, you know, all our terrestrial radio stations are in the United States. Um you know, is, you know, in here, you know, we, we, it's 2022. Some might say, I mean, why are we having this conversation about healing our racial divide? Why don't we just live in a colorblind society? They might quote Martin Luther King Jr. Don't judge by the content, judge by the content of the character, not the color of their skin. So why are you bringing this up in 2022 when, 
I think every church would teach and preach that I'm well, not every church, but but every church you and I would be around would teach and preach that racism is bad. So why why write that now? Well, I'm writing it now because the proof is in the pudding. When you look at how fractured our culture is in America, but let me pause here. My wife and I were recently in Greece and the pastors were saying, you know, we really need your book here in Greece because the Greeks don't think they're racist. They just say they're better than everybody else. The Albanians don't like the Greeks. They consider them lazy. And in Europe, people don't like the gypsies. It's race. I mean, it's, there's a human plague and problem in which we divide and devour and Christ wants to unify through his gospel. So this issue has nothing to do with what time we're in. It's the reality of the sin that we continue to see both individually as well as systemically. And Mm -hmm. so we don't need to be colorblind. We need to be color blessed. And what I mean by that is when Dr. King's made his statement, he was talking in reference to the context of black people not being judged because of the historical landscape of what black people have experienced in America. When I say be color blessed, what I'm saying is affirm that in every ethnicity and culture, the image of God radiates and pulsates. And Jesus, if Jesus died for everyone, which I believe he did, then every human being is worthy of dignity, honor, and respect. Not just tolerance, but actually appreciation. Mm. Okay, so what does that look like, though, kind of lived out? You're, you're in a congregation. Um, you know, they're, they're a transformation church. You see other churches. Um what does it look like to be color blessed? I was I was blessed by some of the different cultural expressions at your church just a few weeks ago. But give me some examples of of those colorblind, color blessed. What, what does that look like in the church? Well, let me at at the base level. Uh, when God's people are gathered, let's just talk about Sunday morning, and then we'll show some other illustrations. Sure. But but when people walk into Transformation Church, the gathered presence of our unity in our diversity through the Holy Spirit's power is palpable. People walk in and go, oh my gosh, I, I I can't believe I see everybody here. So Ephesians 3.10, our gatheredness in Christ amidst our diversity is a prophetic witness that Jesus rose from the dead. Okay. So secondly, it looks like this. It looks like having a young African-American man who was in a Black Lives Matter protest. It looks and an African-American judge having a conversation about policing and systemic injustice with Jesus in the center of it and actually doing the hard work of having conversations. And one of the things that I want to say, Ed, is there is a lot of, within conservative Christianity, a lot of idolatrizing of America. It's like, well, we can talk about the good things of the past, but don't bring up the bad things of the the past. The reality is Jesus himself died for us on the cross. So therefore we can look back at history, both negatively and affirmatively, sober-mindedly without finding our identity in a nation, but in our savior and king. Hmm. So that makes a a huge difference theologically where you're starting. But the question is for a lot of people say, well, why not? I mean, 
ancient history is ancient history. You know, we we've we are not the same country we were uh, during slavery. We're not the same country where we were during the Jim Crow era. Uh, and and so why rehash? Why put that guilt on on our children? And more. Let me let me invite our callers too. Our, our number here is eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Again, that's eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Because one of the things you talk about is that it's important to mourn past sins, even though we ourselves didn't commit them. What what does that mean, and how do we do that? Yeah. So I actually get that from Jesus Himself and Old Testament prophets. Matthew 5, 4 says, it's blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We look at the prophet Nehemiah when he built the wall in Jerusalem. He repents for um, the reality of where Israel was, personal repentance, corporate repentance, corporate mourning. And so let me, this is really important. I want to speak pastorally to my white brothers and sisters. White people alive to today had nothing to do with the injustices of the past. The only reason one would feel guilt is if your identity is in America and not in Christ. We can mourn the past without feeling guilty about the past. Um, Recognizing I had nothing to do with the past, but I benefited from the past is really important. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. 55 to 57% of the congregation that I serve as lead elder pastor is white. Half my family is white. So being pro-Christian means I'm pro-human. But if we don't understand our cultural context and how we got here, we'll be stuck in the same things of the past. And think about some of the rhetoric that we see and that we hear and how divided we are. It's because we haven't, particularly as Christians, been able to say this happened in the past and it is incredibly wrong and it doesn't reflect who we are as followers of King Jesus. Mm -hmm. Okay. So looking at the past, learning from the past, mourning the past is all Mm -hmm. part of what you talk about. Uh, in the book, how to heal or how to heal our racial divide. Um, I, I, but again, I think a lot of it today, in for Christians, evangelical Christians like me, is that we tend to be individualistic in our mm-hmm. view of the gospel. Now, now again, let me be clear. I think the gospel is responded to by grace and through faith. Individualistically, there's, God has no grandchildren. We receive by grace through faith the good news of the gospel. But what I want to kind of have you weigh in on when we come back is, is what does that mean if it's just individualistic that I should care about more than just, well, am I sinning in this way? But are there things in culture I should address as well? I'm going to invite your calls, 877-548-3675. Again, 877-548-3675. Okay, good. We're back. Uh, Ed Stetzer, Ed Stetzer Live. We're actually starting to get some calls lined up, which we'll jump to in just a moment. Let me encourage you to hop on the line as well. It's 877-548-3675. Talking to my friend, my friend of like like years now, years and years now, 
Um, and his name is Derwin Gray, and he's got a new book, How to Heal Our Racial Divide. And uh, and I think I had the privilege of endorsing it. I'm encouraging you to get a copy of it as well. I've read it, found it helpful, along with uh, several other books that Derwin has written over the years as well. I would encourage you to, uh, if you go to edstetzerlive.com, you can actually find the links to all that stuff. You could find out uh, other books. You can you know get a link to Derwin's stuff. You want to listen to his sermons, his preaching. He's just an encouraging encouraging brother and so we're thankful for him so just before the break derwin i was i was formulating kind of a question that because you you talk about this in the book and you know for a lot of christianity a lot of christians particularly in the western world in america it's kind of me and jesus and if me and jesus are good and i I mean that in the best sense of the word if i have a right relationship with the lord if i repented of my sin you know even issues of race and uh, racism um, that that's, I should, you know, therefore, you know, mind my own business and make that my focus, get right with the Lord, stay right with the Lord. Um, that's very individualistic and you kind of, you know, kind of, you do say individualistic view of the gospel can hinder some of the necessary work of healing our racial divide. So talk to me about what that looks like. Yeah. And I, I think it's really important for, for us to understand that, Historical situatedness does bear weight on where we are, and that's why we need the Spirit's power. So we are children of the Western Enlightenment, Rene Descartes. I think, therefore, I am. And out of that philosophical movement, we have become very individualistic. Me and Jesus, my personal relationship, all that's true. But we have to remember that the Bible is a Eastern book. It is a, just as God is a community, Father, Son, and Spirit, God's people are saved individually to be put into a family. That's why Paul says in Philippians 2, 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but consider others better than yourselves. When we look at the Lord's prayer, our Father, and so we are saved individually to put be put into a family. This family is called the bride of Christ. This family is called the body of Christ. This family is called the church. And so by necessity, we enter into this beautiful family. And so what I do affects the family. So my spiritual formation, my discipleship is not simply for me. It's so that I can be a good brother in the family. It's so that I can bear witness to those who don't know Jesus, that he is the savior. He is the king. And he doesn't simply save us to go to heaven when we die. He saves us to bring heaven to earth. And in the new heaven and new earth, we'll be here in glorified, resurrected bodies, every nation, tribe, and tongue here on planet earth. And so I'm thankful that I have a relationship with Jesus, but my relationship with Jesus necessitates I have a relationship with my brothers and sisters of different ethnicities, cultures, classes, and gender, male and female. Okay, let's go to the call. Let's have some conversation here with uh, Tom. You're live on the air from Gurney and listening on WMBI. Tom, you're live on the air. Yeah, hi. I agree with your comment that we shouldn't be colorblind or use that phrase. But rather than saying we should be colorless, I think we should be colorful. So some years ago during Black History Month, I wrote a poem about um, that and saying that the rainbow needs all the colors. And when we're in heaven, we're going to be together with all the colors. And so that's why I would choose colorful as opposed to uh, colorless. 
Well, good deal. Well, Tom, I want to, if you hold on the line, well, too, I do want to give well, you a copy of Derwin's book to kind of see how he makes that case. Again, we'll give you a copy of yeah. How to Heal the Racial Divide, but hold on for just a second. Derwin, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think uh, Tom, and I agree with you 100%, I think Tom thinks I said colorless instead of color blessed. I believe we should be color blessed with a B. And also all throughout my book, I talk about uh, that we are the colorful family of God, that our ethnicities and cultures bear witness to the Imago Dei. So thank you, Tom. Okay, Tom. And I, I could be wrong. I think Tom was actually just saying colorful and affirming color blessed, but I could, I could be wrong, but we're going to send him a copy of the book either way. Tom, good. Thanks for your call. Rodney on California. Listen, I'm, I'm probably out there on K-Wave. Rodney, you're live on the air. Go ahead. Good morning, guys. I just wanted to say it's an amazing program. Um, we look at so many different things in the word and pick them apart. But when we look at race, there's one race and it's the human race. And if we just continue to love on each other and do what God has told us to do, is to love, we're all going to be good. Thank you guys for this show. Thank you for your time. Take care and God bless. Hey, Rodney, thank you so much for the call. You'll hold on to, we're going to give you a copy. Uh, producer, producer, jump online, give you a copy uh, of his book as well. So, so I mean, talk, talk to me a little bit about how you teach and preach this uh, in a local context too, particularly the issue of race. Now, he, he said something important. He says one human race. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. make a distinction, and you talk about it's important to define the distinction between race and ethnicity. Why mm -hmm. is that important distinction there? And talk to us related to you know our biblical understanding and application of the scripture. Yes, um, biblically, unequivocally, there's one race, the human race, and the human race is comprised of different ethnicities, and an ethnicity deals with shared stories, shared language maybe culture, maybe geography. And so we see that amongst the human race, there are different ethnicities. And even when you look at the ancient, uh, there were Jews and there were Gentiles. There was an ancient Jewish prayer that Jewish men would pray, would say, Yahweh, thank you that I'm not a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. Also, the Greeks would pray to their various pantheons of gods, thank you that I'm not a barbarian, that's anybody other than Greek a slave or a woman. And right in the midst of that, you have the gospel. The apostle Paul says, all those who have been baptized into Christ are clothed of Christ. Therefore, there's neither Jew nor Greek, free nor slave, male nor female. Jew nor Greek does not mean that ethnicities are blurred or erased. It means they're actually embraced because the only supremacy there is, is a supremacy of Christ. Free and slave deals with economics, male, female, that men and women are co-heirs in Christ, ontologically equal in Christ. And so the Bible is replete. If you read Acts chapter 2 and the incredible story of Pentecost and there are 16 different ethnic groups that are mentioned that are hear, hearing the Galilean Jews proclaim the gospel. There's a reason why those specific ethnic groups are mentioned. And that's what takes the gospel to the world. And so we as human beings have just done a masterful job of not loving each other well. And mm -hmm. the dark powers in our sin has created um, these social classes of people. And what I'm trying to do 
is to show people that in the good news of Jesus at the foot of the cross and at the entry of the empty tomb is this new race of grace made up of all the people. And through the Holy Spirit's power, peace vertically. We have peace with each other. We just have to learn to walk it out. And that's what's going to bear witness to the unbelieving world when they see God's people breaking down barriers and loving each, each other with a love that looks like the cross. Hmm. <clears throat> Let's go to Pam. Pam in Florida. Pam, you're live on the air with your question or your comment. Yes, I'm affirming what he's saying. As I read my Bible verse this morning, and uh, it happened to be Revelation 7, 9 through 10. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were all wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to God, the throne, and to the Lamb. So that shows me that all a multitude of many nations, tongues, color, and as such. So I like what he said. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, and I like what you said in red, Pam, thank you so much for your call as well. If you'll hold in the line, we're going to give you a copy of Derwin Gray's book, how to heal our racial divide. And I love the fact that when we're identifying that eternal state in heaven in revelation chapter seven, they're actually able to identify that there are people of different tribes, different languages, different nations. Our ethnicity seems to continue on though. Our focus is on the King and our Savior. We're going to take your calls when we come back. 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back. Ed Setzer Live here talking to Derwin Gray. And you can tell we're friends and we're taking your calls as well. So you can join in our conversation. 877-548-3675. Uh, Derwin, 30 minutes ago into our program at uh, about 13, 14 minutes in the, of, in the hour, um, you tweeted, and I'm trying to figure out how you're tweeting about football in the middle of our <laughs> radio program. So 14 minutes after the hour, you tweeted, the Texas defense looks good on this first drive. Are you watching a football game while talking about theology and culture and ethnicity with me? I need a yes or a no answer. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Unbelievable. Let me just say, folks, I have never before had this happen on the radio program. And also, too, the way we're just casually talking about the incarnation and we're talking about Revelation, the end state. Oh, wow. I don't know what to think, but I'm going to just keep going on. And if you suddenly cheer about something, I'll know what happens. All right. Talk to me about this. Um, Y'all, you got to say more. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, so the, the quarterback for the University of Texas, uh, he's only a freshman, but this guy has elite NFL arm talent, and I'm just mesmerized by it. But I'm also mesmerized by you, my friend. Yes, I can't imagine. I can't imagine anything I would care less to know about than the the throwing arm of a – is that like – the University of Texas is that is that what this team yes. is? Yes, yeah. Okay. The University okay. of Texas is playing okay. Alabama today, and of course oh, Alabama's yeah Alabama's like yeah. 
you know, like Emperor Palpatine <laughs> in the Star Wars. But so anyway, <laughs> but but I am well, you know my, my time. Yeah. So, so you know my um my story that Tom Rayner, uh, you know, the author of Former President Lifeway, he took me. We were trying to bond, <laughs> so he took me to an Alabama game. And when we went to the game, he had a little friend who had a skybox, and so we were in the skybox. And this man was introducing himself to people and or greeting people. And I shook his hand, and I said, well, sir, what's your name? And he said, well, my name's Bart Starr. And I said, well, good to meet you, Mr. Starr. What do you do for a living? And he said, he oh, my some car dealerships in Alabama. And so um, I've never lived down. Like, every everyone at Lifeway knows that I met Bart Starr and did not know who he was. I do now. I mean, I've, I've got the Google, and I got the Wikipedia, and they can't put it on Wikipedia unless it's true. So my knowledge of football is uh, is quite Stunning, but I'll let you get back to the game in just a few minutes. I got a couple more questions, and then we got some more callers. Again, we're talking to Derwin Gray while he's watching a football game. The book is called How to Heal Our Racial Divide. Um, and so let's take a look, and let's go to Verna in Calumet City. You're live on the air, Verna. Go ahead. Hi, how you doing? I watch good, your good. program go ahead your every Saturday. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, when I, when I meet people, I try not to uh, prejudge them. I try to see what God sees in, in them, that he loves them, and that uh, he created them. That's a good word, Vern. I hold on to kind of give you a copy of Derwin's book as well. But isn't that so key? I mean, to make the assumption that, to use theological terms, that she's having made God created them, they're made in the image of God, the Imago Dei. So, I mean, that's so essential, yet we're maybe not hardwired that way. Maybe we think a little differently when we when we see people how how do we see people through the through the eyes of Christ you know you know Ed, it it sounds so simple yet dark powers in our sin nature make it so hard what we've done at transformation church to disciple our people is this foundationally treat everybody like Jesus Christ died for them if Jesus thought enough to die for the person then that person must have intrinsic worth to King Jesus. And if they worth something to Jesus, then they must be worth something to us. And that's not just people we like. Matthew 5, 4, bless those who persecute you and love your enemies. And that's exactly Mm -hmm. what King Jesus did for us. Romans 5, 9, we were God's enemies, yet Christ came sacrificed himself to turn enemies into friends of those who trust in him. And so this is fundamentally a discipleship issue. And one of the, one of the things that particularly when I was working on my master's, we were, you know, in class, we talk a lot about discipleship, but rarely ever do I remember discipleship being framed this way. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as you love yourself, that that is the life that Jesus embodied. That is the life we're being conformed to the image to, that that literally is the goal of the Spirit's work in our life to make us like Jesus, to embody that love. And then who is our neighbor? Our neighbor is the world. So go make disciples of all ethnos, not just different people across the sea, but people across the street. And to love someone doesn't mean I have to agree with you. But if I ever want an opportunity for you to see things the way I see it, I have to be in proximity with you 
it's very incarnational. You know, the, the old song, what if God became one of us? Well, God did become one of us so that we could know him and his father, which is eternal life. Let's go to Indiana and Damon. I, we're going to have, I hope I pronounced your name correctly, but Damon, I think that's right. You're live on the air. And correct me if I got your name wrong. Nope. You uh, said it perfectly. Thank you. Uh, great to be on with both of you. Um, I just high, highly respect both of you. Uh, pastor Gray, I am a pastor in Indiana helping to lead a multi, uh, multi-ethnic church myself. And I'm about halfway through your book on audiobook. Um, and I just wanted to say thank you. Just a quick comment. Uh, I agree 100%. Um, now more than ever, we need to continue to see the Imago Day in each other. And uh, it is a tall task. Um, the, the world is pushing more and more to divide. But um, with uh, individuals such as yourself out there kind of helping to lead the way, bringing people back to the table in healing and love, I think, well, not I think, I know with Jesus all things are possible. So just wanted to say thank you um, and really enjoying uh, what I've heard so far. And uh, thank you to both of you. Hey, if you, and if you're holding on the line too, we want to give you a copy of of the book. And I think that's our last copy to give away. But I love I love being able to share some to some of our great callers here we have on Moody Radio. So I love that. I mean, he's seeking to lead a multiracial yeah. and multi ethnic church. Um, and and of course, you've you've done that in 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 South Carolina. It's kind of you know Charlotte area, but in South Carolina, you're in a biracial marriage. Um, but you know, this takes work. I mean, this is yeah. you know, I mean, sitting down. I, I got a cohort of pastors and. And uh, we sat down right early on in our cohort, and you know it was about twenty five percent African American and 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 the, and the rest white Anglo. And I got to tell you, we had some hard conversations where we disagreed and learned to love each other through that. And you're gonna if you're gonna have folks in a church, I mean that's a tricky conversation. So how do you how do you work through some of those complex issues uh, in your church context and in general for the rest of us? Yeah, yeah. Um, before I respond to that, I just want to say high five to that pastor because it's yeah, hard sure. work. And Ed, you know this because you talk to pastors all the time, but I've had pastors tell me, they'll, they'll say, Derwin, I can't another election the way 2020 was, 2024, I may be done. And mm-hmm. so what I want to say is this, and you taught me this, Ed, is, is, is we're living in a tumultuous cultural moment. And what's happening is we are allowing political idolatry on the left and the right to hijack God's kingdom. It's important that as we go to the scriptures to guide us, we're not wearing donkey or elephant lens glasses, but we're asking the Holy Spirit to allow us to see the kingdom as it was presented in the text so that we can represent him in our current context. And so it is a spiritual discipline to not give over to what's happening. Uh, I'm 51 years old. I've been following Jesus for two decades, and I have never seen the things that I'm seeing now, like this heresy of Christian nationalism is now out in the open, like there's no shame in it. And I'm seeing liberal progressive politics invade the church as well. We need King Jesus to lead the way. Yeah, give me 30 seconds on 
next steps for us to take. I want to encourage people to read the book, but give us 30 seconds on the next steps. The, the next steps to take is this. Read the New Testament. Build relationships with cross-cultural friends. Practice the art of listening, learning, and then leveraging your life for the other. Hmm. Great conversation. Derwin Gray, we're so thankful for you. The book is How to Heal Our Racial Divide. Sorry we didn't get to all of our callers, but great callers we had indeed. So thanks to our whole team, uh, Karen Hendren, uh, producer, engineer, Courtney Young, Gabby Turku, manning the phones today. Here today's program, again, you'll find it at edstetzerlive.com or on the Moody Radio app. You can also connect with us through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at Ed Stetzer Live. And remember, Ed Stetzer Live is a production of Moody Radio, and Moody Radio is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Great conversation today with Dr. Derwin Gray. As always, you can download this and all the episodes on the podcast. Keep up and follow along with us as well to get a copy of How to Heal Our Racial Divide by Dr. Derwin Gray. Thanks for listening to Ed Stetzer Live.